Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Greed. Xenophobia. White supremacy. A nation on the brink of a pandemic. Healthcare resources straining at their limits. An economy that is collapsing by the day. And at the helm, a clueless con artist. A man who is so unhinged, he is more worried about poll numbers tanking than saving people's lives. Join Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. We must join together to save this country in spite of this buffoon's ineptitude before it's too late. After the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show at liberaldan.com, on facebook.com slash liberaldan, or you can always interact with me at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to be discussing a, a topic the opposite of, of opposite political spectrum, at least, from what I was referring, talking about last week. Uh, about Last week, we were discussing if taxation was theft. And this week, we'll be discussing if rent is theft. Uh, but first, first half of the show, we obviously need to be talking about the coronavirus and what's going on with it um, and, and how this uh, moron is going to be leading us into ruin. Uh, because frankly, I mean, how how anybody can still support this guy? I just... I get it. If you, you know, you're conservative, you can't stand. You, know, you can't stand liberals. You don't like me. You don't like Democrats as a whole. You, you, you're not. You can't. You, you would call everybody a socialist who is on the Democratic Party. So it's not just. Uh, not just the fact that you have. Uh, Bernie Sanders on presidential ticket, who is a democratic socialist. It's the fact that you have everybody on there supporting some sort of health care for all, and that in your mind is socialism. I get it. You don't like that. You don't understand it. Although, how can you know you that support the ideas of what's going on now, making sure everybody gets health care in the middle of a pandemic? If a pandemic which kind of highlights the need that everybody should have access to quality health care. We should have a thriving and robust health care system and not a for-profit healthcare system where, you know, profit is put above money, but one where lives are first and foremost the most important thing. 
And which which brings us to the whole April twelfth thing. I mean, April twelfth. He wants this. He wants this economy back and running at full steam. He wants to be, to have everybody go back. Or saying the exact opposite. You know, they're talking about at least eight weeks, maybe more, of trying to get. Uh, trying to get information, trying to get people quarantined, trying to get just an understanding of what the hell is going on. We need to pretty much stop the economy, just like your Muslim ban, boy. Just like your Muslim ban. We need to figure out what the hell is going on, except for the fact that your Muslim ban was nonsensical, and this is actually something that the experts are talking about, and the experts think that we should do. And you're going to ignore experts because, you know, the people in the media want us to quote, be, be shut down long economic so that when we, that I'm less likely to be elected. It's not about you, you ignoramus, stickophant, whatever other big word you probably don't understand is. You don't get it. Absolutely don't get it. It's, it's not about you. Not everything is about you. I mean, you cause a lot of this problem simply because of the fact that you cause it simply because of the fact that your initial reaction to this, the first four weeks of reaction is, oh, it's, it's going to go away. It's going to be like a miracle. Like a miracle, it'll go away. It'll just be up and it'll be down like a miracle. Who was telling you that? Nobody was telling you that. You're just an ignorant fool who is going to, you know, there's a reason why, like, my it was the first podcast. Maybe it was the my first mini cast that I did on this topic a few weeks back. And I basically ended it. And I was like, we gonna die. And why did I say we gonna die? Because, well, the person at the helm, there's a board game. There's a board game that I play, and it's called Pandemic. I haven't played it in a while. It's okay. One of the reasons I don't like the game, one of my questions of the game is oftentimes when you play this game, one of, like, I guess, science teams, and you are all working together to try and stop this pandemic. So there's no individual winner in this game, a lot of board games that a lot of people are used to. This is a collaborative game where either everybody wins or everybody loses based on your ability to defeat the board. And that, those can be fun. I've, I've played fun collaborative games before where you're trying to just beat the board, beat the game itself. And, you know, I, I just, my biggest problem with pandemic is just the fact that it always wind up having one guy in charge. One guy is kind of saying, no, now you do this, you do this. He's kind of organizing everything. So the only reason that you're there is to actually move the pieces that the, the, the board leader winds up telling you to, to play. And to me, I mean, a lot of the times that, that usually ends up being me when we play, especially if it's with a bunch of new people, but it's just like sometimes it's other people. And, you know, maybe you can play with enough experienced players to just reach a consensus. Still, it, it's still basically one person just to take charge over the whole thing. 
And again, if you take charge, if one person takes charge of the whole thing and, and you beat the virus and you win. But if you don't beat the virus, then you lose. If that one person who's in charge screws up. Well, I just realized today that maybe there's a life lesson to be learned there because maybe that kind of explains the whole thing. You do end up having in a pandemic somebody who takes charge. And if you listen to bad advice given by the person who gives takes charge, like take this medicine that like taking a medicine that a doctor hasn't told you to take, but the president has told you to take, uh, like that we should restart the economy on the 12th of April, that we should send everybody to work. The fact that he believes that if we don't send people to work, that people are going to be committing massive amounts of suicide because of what's going on and, and, and their inability to work. Can you Donald Trump has no idea what it is to be a worker, to to record, to have a, a living, to make a living off of your labor, of, of, or of his own labor, I should say. He's made a living off of everybody else's labor, that's for sure. And he's even gotten away with skimping people away on that labor as well, um, simply because of the fact that he has a big legal team that is able to say, look, we don't want to pay this much. We're going to pay this much instead. And if you don't like it, we're going to go to court and we can settle the court if you want. But our legal team is going to be able to beat your legal team. So guess what? You're going to just end up taking what we pay you. And that's just shameful. That legal, you know, he should, any, anybody does something like that, they should automatically be forced to, you know, in, in, if they're, they're they're trying to get out of the contract, there needs to be some way that a, a subcontractor or somebody contracting for him doing contracting work and their subcontractor should be able to go after him without the risk of, you know, themselves going bankrupt over a, a bill that should have been paid when there's proof that they be signed this bill. So, what else this idiot said? Just today, he was just saying so much stupid stuff. Uh, you got uh, eight days ago. There's a there's a listing. Uh, it was an image that I posted to my Twitter account at Liberal Glenn Radio, uh, Statista or whatever. I guess is the name of the people that put up the the graphic. And this is from March 16th, so it's a week old. Um, it showed the amount of COVID tests formed per million of the population on March 17th, so eight days ago. United States was at 125, South Korea is at 5,557 per million. Now, Donald Trump's up there today saying, we've done the most tests, the most tests. We've done them all. We're, we did so many tests. We've done more tests. than How many tests you've done doesn't matter. What matters is the per capita. So, you can get a better view of the effect on the entire population. But Donald Trump probably doesn't realize that. One of the reasons why, something else he said, I think it was yesterday's press conference, maybe it was the day before, but this is what made him the hypocrite of the week this week. So let's play that. This week's hypocrite of the week is Donald Trump, who at a press conference said, 
It seems that there has been a lot of nastiness towards Asian citizens. I'm not going to let that happen. After previously calling the coronavirus a Chinese virus. Way to set an example, Don. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune into Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left That's Right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, so he's hypocrite of the week. Now, one thing I do have to say is I once said on this show, um, okay, I'll hold, let, bringing it boys back in the chat. Now, that's being very disingenuous about President Trump. I, I will get to that in a second. I, I would like make your point in the chat, and I will read the point, and I will address it. But as you're doing that, I do want to bring up – I hope this plays well over the over thing because I'm playing it from my phone to the microphone. Uh, I used to say on the show, yo, you have I, – I, I was upset about the fact that I can't do a good Donald Trump impression. But then I've listened to Donald Trump impressions, even the impressions by uh, Alec Baldwin, meh, even, even if it's a Steve Colbert. A lot of the news I've never heard, I've basically consoled myself with the idea that – um, that and nobody does a good impression of Donald Trump, so I shouldn't be concerned about it because everybody's everybody has a bad impression of Donald Trump. That does not now that's a double entendre because everybody has a bad impression of Donald Trump because we have a bad impression of his presidency. He, he leaves us with a bad impression, but he also it's very hard to a bad impression of a very, it's hard to do a good impression of Donald Trump. Everyone sounds bad. Even Donald Trump sounds like a bad impression of Donald Trump, except for this guy who I found today. See if it plays. 250 years ago, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, whose full name, you know, he was, he was Jewish. So his name might've been like Christowitz, but God rose him from the dead on a holiday we now call Easter. Not a lot of people know that, but it's it's called Easter. <laughs> I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that's just not, he has the voice so down, and he has a whole not a lot of people know that. <laughs> that is just great. It's a great impression of Trump. So I had, of course, I I retweet if you see the whole thing at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. Uh, and I, I link to uh, the video that he posted on Twitter with the impression, and he has several impressions, and they're amazing. They're the best impressions ever. Nobody does a better impression of Donald Trump, especially not me. Um, let's see. Donald Trump in response to Mitt Romney, quote, this is really great news. I'm so happy I can barely speak. He may have been a terrible presidential candidate and an even worse U.S. senator, but he's a rhino, and I like him a lot. So wait, does he like him a lot because he's a rhino? Like, I mean, this is, our president is in second grade. Actually, no, I think my, my first grader might be more mature than Donald Trump. Um, okay. I'm still waiting uh, for a bringing it, bringing it boy. I'm waiting for uh, why I was being disingenuous to President Trump. I would like to see it. And, and, and see where it's coming from so I can respond to it. 
and you too could join in the chat and have discussions. There was a there was a lively discussion going, I believe, during last week's conversation with uh, uh, with the libertarian candidate that I had on uh, for president, and it was terrible. And I wasn't even addressing it because it was terrible. People saying horrible things, and I wasn't about to go there. So let's see. Um, Again, the reporter, why did you pick April 12th? This was yesterday. Because it's a beautiful day. What? What? That's something my 11-year-old does. What? Like, I'll make a bad joke, and he'll look at me and be like, what? And just make look at me, like, incredulously. Like, why would I think of saying that? Um, I tweeted at Pence. So, dear at VP. If at real Donald Trump won't listen to the experts and keep this country locked down, locked down as possible, as long as possible until they say it's fine to stop, you have a moral obligation to invoke the 25th Amendment. Literally millions of lives are at stake. And and here's the deal and here's the problem with President Trump and, and what's going on here is that he literally cares more about getting reelected and what the stock market has. And, and I even add to it that he it's possible that he could be manipulated in the stock market to his own benefit i mean when he says something that oh we're gonna have we're gonna have to shut down the stock market tanks it goes down but then when he says oh we want to bring everything back by april 12th stock market goes up because the president so as a president you could manipulate the stock market with just saying stupid stuff that's ridiculous and so he could be manipulating the stock market. I don't have evidence that his portfolio is doing great now that he was able to have stocks go down, stocks go back up. Who knows? I don't know. Um, won't even release his taxes. Hasn't done that yet. He's He doesn't care. He doesn't give a rat's ass about the American people. He cares only about his money, businesses. He made it a point to talk about how he had to shutter. He had, I had to shutter... Four of my resorts had shuttered because of the coronavirus. So it's probably bad. Like, why do I have to close my thing? Let's get this back going because I don't want to lose money. Well, guess what? You picked the job, pal. This is the job that you wanted and the job that you wanted requires you act in a way that saves lives. And then Rudy comes on. I have taken chloroquine for malaria prevention. Several of my colleagues have several times. For some, there are side effects, but nothing life-threatening. It's been FDA approved for a long time and is prescribed for malaria as a very effective way. Prescribed as in from your doctor. Your doctor tells you that it's his prescription and you take it. You shouldn't be self-medicating based on the advice of a president, especially a president like the one we have now. OMG. Um, of course, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, with, uh, I haven't really gotten to back to doing the tweet of the week every week, but uh, Hillary Clinton says, please do not take the medical advice from a man who looked directly at a solar eclipse. And that was hilarious. And, uh, yeah, uh, do you remember him looking at this? this so yeah, I didn't remember that he looked at the solar eclipse because there's so much stupid stuff that he's done. It just it all gets lost in the pile. It gets lost in the shuffle. Um, 
Are people want to return to work? They will practice social distancing and, and all else. And seniors will be rushed over protectively and lovingly. We can do two things together. The cure cannot be worse by far than the problem. Congress must sit down. We will come back strong. The cure is, there's no cure, first of all. People are going to get sick and people are going to die. But you can reduce that by staying your ass at home and not doing anything that you're not supposed to be doing and not having an ignoramus president who's going to sit there and is more worried about the stock market than he is about, you know, people's lives. When you have the choice of, oh, but you have the bad economy, it could tank. Well, so what? We can come back from bad economy. Do we still exist as a nation? We do. We exist as a nation now. We had the Great Depression. We exist as a nation now. I think we're better suited to to handle even a depression because we can we have logistics that can get people food and necessities of life for a while. We can do it. It's possible. I mean, it might hurt. You know, maybe the people who who are billionaires might only be worth like 500 millionaires afterwards. Maybe they might only be worth 100 million dollars. <gasps> The shame of it all, the horror of it all, that people might only have to only have a hundred million dollars to survive. The terribleness of it all. Ah! Uh, President Trump, according to a boy, how could I be so obtuse over how he is run? I'm not obtuse. I'm acute. Um, now, because how, because the way he's run our country is just he views it as a way to enrich himself and his friends. You know, there's a reason why when you use one statistic over another, like when people use median income, there's a reason why they're using median income. It's to ignore people who are poor, a little money that the poor are making. There's no proof of that. How much money does Donald Trump spend at, does the U.S. government spend at Mar-a-Lago at all of his resorts? Um, he's using his not only his political campaign to to enrich himself. He's using the government to enrich himself because every time they stay at Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago charges them an amount of money to stay. So everybody, I mean, they might not, he might not charge for his own room. I'm sure, he has his own room, um, and I'll get to you, caller, in a second. Uh, but he also charge everybody who stays there. Secret Service, you know, lots of Secret Service people, lots of people who come along for the ride. You know, he have a um, in Scotland. He had a uh, the military stopped at, at an odd uh, air, air airstrip just because the airstrip was closest to his resort, so that they could stay at his resort, so they can spend more federal money at his resorts. I mean, we had to make sure this legislation prohibited his own properties from getting aid because there was no in the original wording that the reason that Democrats voted against this uh, he gives his president salary to charity but how much money is he spending at his resorts every year how much profit is he then making off of his resorts every single time they stay there got to be a lot I I think the cost of his golfing trip to this country uh, is well beyond his presidential salary. And I, I don't know the specific figure as to what 
percentage of the, because I don't think they've been completely forthright with them. I've tried to look it up before. You don't have all of it out there, but the amount of money that's being spent at these resorts and how much of that money does get to pocket every single trip, everything. You know, if you wanted, if, if I was the president of the United States and if I owned a bunch of resorts and a bunch of properties, um, the first thing I would do is I would make sure that nobody from the government, no one, nobody doing business for the government or nobody protecting my ass is going to be staying at one of my resorts because I wouldn't even want to have the appearance of impropriety going on. No, he just, he has every, and then again, and then add on to the fact that he's using his campaign funds to pay himself back. So he has whatever it costs to have to rent out his apartments and whatever. Now you're not supposed to profit from campaign money either, but he he reimburses his own organizations when he sets up his offices in his own buildings. Now, some people might say, well, that's great. That's, that's being efficient. That he's a good businessman. Why, why, why would he stay anybody else, anywhere else except for his own businesses? He could say, you know what? If I own the building again, again, either you, you don't stay at your own properties or you make sure that everything's free. Make sure that everything is free or at the very least, you're very upfront and honest and say, look, this is the literal cost for having this room out there being used, like how much electricity it costs. This is the cost of the food that everybody's going to be eating and everybody's going to be paying at cost and nothing more. So there's no profit being made here at the resort or here at my tower or here at this. So there's some of, you have to make sure that you're not even being the, the, the even hint of impropriety uh, that you're that you're that you're not going to be using this government to enrich yourself but i knew from day one i tweeted it out before day one when Trump made some some comment about turning uh, washington upside down i was saying my, my first comment was because he's going to take the couch out who's change and get to try and get as much as he can while he's there anyway let's go ahead and uh, hit this up Caller from area code 909. Uh, thank you for calling. Uh, uh, what's your name and what you're calling about? Hello. My name's Suzette. I'm calling from Southern California. I've called in before. Hey, Suzette. Hi. I recognize <laughs> the voice. <laughs> How are you today? Oh, good. good. I'm doing okay. Not too bad. Just hanging out. <laughs> are, you, are you healthy? Are, are, is your family healthy? Oh, yes. Yeah, here okay, in um, California, we actually don't have as many cases. Um, I'm, I'm in San Bernardino County, and so I think we have like 42 cases, and a lot of the other areas around here have um, about that or less. Northern California right. has quite a few. But, yeah, we're okay. We're doing all right. Thank you for asking. And I hope you do our help. You know, we, we may disagree politically, but I want everybody to be healthy. Um, I want everybody <laughs> to be safe. And... Uh, you know, I actually Absolutely. work for one of my, my full-time employer. I'm in contract work now for a uh, software developer, uh, software development company, and uh, it's, he, the owner is a great guy, and you know he's very conservative. He wanted to add me on Facebook yesterday, and I was just like, you know what? Are you sure you wanted to go down that rabbit hole? He was like, yeah, I want to tag you and something. I was like, I warn you, I'm very liberal, and he was like, I thought we put that on the application. So at least we had a at least we had a good sense of humor about it, and. Uh, just to, just to, yeah. I'll give him his props. You know, he he has gone above and beyond to make sure that we still have jobs, that we can still work, 
that that there's work for us to be done and and that everybody is taking care of that all of our families are taking care of he's asking if there's anybody that anyone can do to help out everybody else so you know he, he's doing what we're what we're supposed to be doing in that you know we're all supposed to be come together um, and to, to weather the storm, so to speak. Um, coming from New Orleans, we have a lot of uh, storm references that we're we're, we're looking. For. So what, what's the category? You know, we're like the, storm, the virus is coming. Is it a category four or category five hurricane? So we're, we're, it's weird <laughs> that we're supposed to be sheltering in place, but there's no wind. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, you did call to make a comment. So let me get to. Uh, I was just wanting to mention that um, the median um, household income and that um, one-time payment, that was actually Pelosi's idea. The original GOP um, rescue bill or whatever they call it actually wanted to give two payments, one in April, one in May of $1,200, and then the $600 and the rest of the money that's been delved out. But in particular, the two payments of $1,200. And then that got knocked down uh, by the Democrats, and then they put this um, attachment that uh, medium uh, income households, um, as far as the inc- your income tax, based on your income tax. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And, and the fact that the bill is being held up because uh, – we want to lower carbon emissions, and we want to fund Planned Parenthood, and we want to um, make sure that there's uh, gender equality in the workplace, that there's uh, equal amount of people on boards for companies. I, I mean, I, I, I'm upset that they are holding up the bill to serve their agenda. It's not the time to do it. You said it. You were spot on when you said we need to come together and we need to be they need to be working for the American people because we put them there and, and anything else can wait. There well, I, I do wish, I, mean, I do ahead. wish that, that we pass these things potentially piecemeal. Like there are certain things that naturally have to go together. Um, but I wish like, you know, they could have just said, look, let's get this. I mean, let's, even if it was just, let's get this first $1,200 payment out the, out the door Let's get it done. Right. Boom. Move on to the next thing. Let's go. Now let's discuss yeah. the next thing. Let's discuss the small business loans. Okay. Boom. Let's go. Well, let, let's clear. Let's clear that hurdle. Okay. Now let's discuss the um, bailouts for the large companies that are going to be affected by uh, the shutting down of the economy or the the, the the not entire shutting down of the company, but the country or the economy, but you know a good bit. Uh, a lot of people staying at home, whether that are non-essential. Um, let, let, we, could, we can do. We could have done that piecemeal, and I think it would have been better had we yeah. now. Yeah. Now, definitely. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, there, there was also the part of you know the Republicans in the Senate cons- insisting on you know language that wouldn't prevent even Donald Trump, to his credit, I will say on this issue, Donald Trump is 100% right that companies should not be able to use any bailout funds, be they grants or loans, to do stock buybacks. Because, yes. I mean, they, they, they fooled him before, back when we had the last bailout, and, and Donald Trump was like, well, they're not, you know, everybody warned him, look, they're, these economists warned him, but the Democrats were yelling at it, and that's probably why he wasn't listening, because it was the Democrats that were yelling at it, not the Republicans. Uh, they, were said, they said, look, 
these companies are going to, I think it was for the, um, the repatriation, the fund repatriation. So allow people to bring their funds back to the country at a lower tax rate than they normally would be allowed to. I want to say mm-hmm. that that's, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And there was no prohib- there was no provision in there uh, for stock buybacks. I think AT&T uh, made a promise of some sort of jobs. If, if, you know, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And then it turned out that like AT&T cut 1200 jobs that $1,200, $1,200 is sticking in my head for some reason. I might be wrong on the exact figure. And then a lot of companies went ahead and did do, brought back those funds, repatriated those funds, and then used them immediately to buy back their own stock. Um, so, yeah, but to his credit, this time Donald Trump is up on that podium saying, I don't think that we should allow these companies to buy back their, their, these funds. And the, but the Republicans didn't want the language in there that would prevent it. And so, you know, while Democrats may have been fighting for certain things in this bill as well, um, I think I don't think that, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the language that said whether or not there was uh, abortion funding in the bill or not. I, I mean, people I know who are conservative were making that statement. I saw other links that were saying that those were not true. Um, but let's say, for example, um, I'm giving you a grant to restart your business or to, or to help your business last through a bad economy. Um, and let's say that uh, I, I wanted language in the bill that basically said that it, that the, the funds could not be used in a discriminatory way. So let's say, you know, we're talking about equal rights for women or whatever, um, whatever, the, whatever, you know, equal rights legislation were, were in that was in that bill. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing to make sure that, that, certain groups aren't left behind when it comes to who gets help or who gets aid. Um, and so well, I think it's, it was with Planned Parenthood. And as far as being discriminatory, when um, they had done the budget the last time and Donald Trump had um, spoke with the Planned Parenthood had director person lady, um, <laughs> there were going to be strings attached as far as conditions for that money. And she said, if you're going to condition that money, then we don't want that money. So she turned it down. It was actually in the news. Um, and she turned that money down. So we weren't funding them anymore because she didn't want conditions on the money. And so if she's able to turn it down, it pretty much says that they can fund themselves. But I get what you're saying as far as being across the board, um, small businesses and that you can't just say this business and not that business um, because they're all businesses. Um, but again, uh, it's small business and Planned Parenthood is not what I would consider anyway uh, a small business. They're, they're pretty right, large. Well, I don't know enough about, about the language in the bill that people are talking about. They're trying to say that, that, that either abortions were going to be funded by this or that Planned Parenthood was going to be funded, you know, have funding for this and this. Um, I don't know what it, it was additional for Planned conditions. Parenthood, not necessarily. I'm sorry. It was not not abortions. It was for Planned Parenthood. Okay. But um, but but you and like, I, I, don't, I don't know what additional conditions like that Trump wanted on top of the Hyde Amendment, because um, I know uh-huh. typically when things pass, uh, you know, in Congress, it typically has the Hyde Amendment attached, uh, so that it prevents um, some, if not all, abortions from being funded with that money. So if Planned Parenthood is getting funds. It's normally going to be done. It's nor- the funds that they get is normally going to pay for things like pap smears and other medic other 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 things that can be paid for out of Medicaid um, and right, not abortive right. abortive type measures. Exactly. Which and if you, if you look at 
you know, and, and I don't know what additional um, strings were like the Planned Parenthood people were, had, you know, maybe the strings were, we want to have a position, or, a position that's like, beyond like, sight. Um, and so, they, if the clinics that they're going to operate must be within um, so many miles of a regular hospital. Um, because Planned Parenthood doesn't have a regular on-staff doctor. That's why they make appointments um, for patients to come in so the doctors can come in and do their thing. But for the most part, the facility, it's, facilities um, usually refer out mammograms, um, uh, what do you call it, cervical, um, what do you call it? Um, Screening, yeah. DNCs, yeah, when they clean out the woman or whatever on a regular basis, but um, they refer those out. The women come in, they get looked at, and then they refer those out to um, to a doctor. So those things aren't even done there on the premise. Um, pretty much on the premise is they have tables, you know, that you, or chair, not lounge, whatever, that you sit up on, you know, like a doctor's office, and the doctor takes mm-hmm. a look at you. And, and But the referral, actually any work that's done, x-rays or anything else, are are handled outside the clinic. So it's almost like a middleman that's unnecessary. So if we're going to give money for people to go there because the women are claiming that, you know, we need our our health services, women's care and this and that, okay, fine. Then we need to have a doctor there on staff full time and you need to be operating within so many miles of a hospital. So in case there's anything that happens, you know, th- their lives won't be lost. Just now, with 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 the with the um ex like extras and stuff like that other other scanning like do obviously I'm not a woman so I can't speak to this I could probably ask my wife later if I needed to but um you know I I don't go in for the annual women's well visits um so I don't uh-huh. necessarily know you know do do all um you know people who are OBGYN do it does every office that's an OBGYN's office have all the testing equipment that's available or are are there are there examples of OBGYN who do refer people out outside of Planned Parenthood to get, you know, screens done like mammograms or, you know, even blood work or whatever? Uh, well, a lot of, if you're talking about just a, a private doctor, clinic type doctor, um, they have most of the stuff, and they do most of the stuff there in in the office. I can attest to this because with my children, um, I would go see my doctor, and it was you know his own private office or whatever. And so I would go in there, and then they would do the sonogram, you know, so I could see the baby. And they had all the equipment in there, which they do have that at the Planned Parenthood because they have to find the baby in order to get rid right. of the baby. But um, the stirrups, um, a lot of the testing. But other large equipment, like the mammograms, would have to be done um, at, at a hospital because it's a, done. It's an X-ray machine that they smash your boob in. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, and then the, and just to be yeah, clear, there are men that, that do get that men that do get uh, breast cancer as well. Like I think Montel Williams was a man who had breast cancer, so men can get yeah. mammograms too. Must be even harder yeah. for somebody to. <laughs> Well, who was in probably in very good shape as Monte Williams to have his pectoral muscles shoved into a mammogram machine too. That must have been difficult. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Anybody who has to go through that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know. I. I, I hope. I, I don't have to do that. Of course. You know. 
there are other things I that men go through as well. Um, but it, that was just one of, uh, you know, several things. And for planes to lower their carbon emission, I mean, what does she want them to do? Does she want them to become, I mean, electric to where, you know, there's no way you're going to make an electric plane. The plane would be way too heavy. There's no way to plug it in uh, to juice a plane for it to go fly across the continent. There's just no way um, to do that. Just to be impossible, just a lot of impossible things. We come up with ideas, not saying they're bad ideas, because it's a good idea, you know, you don't have any jet fuel spewing out into the air. Um, but you also have to be realistic. I mean, you can't just throw ideas in there and expect people to come up with uh, the things to make that happen on a dime, you know. I mean, and also <laughs> the reasonability of it. I mean, look at what it took to get a battery for the Tesla and how expensive that battery is. There's just just stuff like that that was that's in there. The, the bill is online, and you can go through it. And, you know, I was just reading through some of this stuff, and I just thought, okay, so I, like you, why can't we just do a clean bill, whether it's just the money aspect or for the people and the businesses, not the corporations, they can do that separately, or just um, just the people and then a separate bill for the rest and a separate bill for the rest, separate bill for the rest. Um, small businesses and um they have people that work for them, like, you know, like at Mar-a-Lago. If we exclude people from from Mar-a-Lago as far as they can't receive any bailout money or, or rescue money or whatever they're calling it, um, you're also dealing with people that work there, you know, that have jobs from, from waiters and waitresses to cleaning ladies to, you know, that will also be hurting. It's not Donald Trump because he has money. It's the people that work there that will be hurt. And at the right, but the, the 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 money that's the per person money, which I think now is has not been is no longer adjusted by income on the lower end, at least, um, if I'm have that correctly. Um, I think they fixed that. Um, those people should be getting um, the the funds, those funds that will help them out in that way. Um, now, is it enough? Who knows? Um, is it, you know, I think my family is getting, according to the language of the bill that has been reported, we'll get 3400 bucks because we have two adults, we have below the threshold, the income threshold, and we have two kids. So we should be getting 3400 bucks, 1200 adults, five per kid. Um, right. So you mentioned that, that uh, businesses like Mar-a-Lago and the rest of his Trump Tower shouldn't be getting any money. And, you know, I thought, well, well okay, I'm not saying that the workers there? who work, I'm not saying that the workers who work there shouldn't get the money. The workers who work there are going to get, if, if, if a worker who works there is in the same situation as I am money wise, you know, you know, you know, if they're married, if they have two kids, they're getting, they're, they're also going to be getting 3,400 bucks for the month. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's enough for somebody who's working at Mar-a-Lago to, to survive. I'm, I'm just saying that the, the bailout money is, to help the owners of the business, you know, uh-huh. should they be, should Trump himself be able to get a bailout for the, or should his companies be able to get a bailout to, for, for those businesses? That, that's, that's, that, that leads to the idea that there could be impropriety there. Not that should, not that okay. should his employees, his employees absolutely should get help just like any other employee, but the fault that their boss is the president, you know, they should not be punished for that. Right. 
Well, but should, but how should. can you justify, though, the fact that, you know, he was a businessman before he was president? And so is he just supposed to dissolve all of the businesses and have nothing and then go into the White House have and gone, then come out with money? <laughs> I mean, because basically think, the presidents that have gone in come out with millions of dollars. So he could either have done it I think, that way. I think past presidents who did have did have income or did have properties. I think Jimmy Carter divested himself from his peanut farm, I want to say. Um, no, I'm, I'm just not saying that his peanut farm is anywhere near the worth of Trump Tower, let alone the rest of the uh, Trump industries. Um, but, you know, I think he, that is one example of somebody who did divest of his – I mean, people were questioning – um, whether or not his brother, I think Jimmy Carter's brother owned a, a brewery, um, and they were questioning whether or not he is going to get an undue benefit by having his brother being, you know, president of the United States, let alone him being president of the United States. So there are there is precedent in the past where presidents have gone ahead and uh, divested themselves. Now, but it's it's harder, I guess, when you have such things like, like if you have property like Trump Tower and, and all the other Trump holdings that are businesses that are buildings that are resorts uh, that yeah, people go to all the time. That um, that if you if he if he divested himself from you know temporarily and 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 that money was put into some sort of blind trust handled by somebody else, his his children would still own their portions of the business and as such they, they you know they could be running it and then they could potentially be seen as a conflict of interest or or if, if the bailout money goes to the children's business businesses now so do you force children yeah, obviously there's 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 tough questions there but it can be looked upon that way but it also can be looked upon as they are americans too their father is president, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with them. Um, you know, as far as their living and how they make their living, um, they have their own businesses, but they also are overseeing the, the family trust, I guess, do I call it that? Right. I'm not even talking about their own business. I'm just talking about the overseeing that they do of the Trump business, of yeah. the resorts. Well, yeah, because it's, uh, they're managing it for their father so that he's not involved in it. Um, and one right. other thing I wanted to mention um, okay. was the, um, 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 oh, the stock market. Um, the stock market had actually gone up because they thought that the bailout or rescue money, I don't even know what to call it, <laughs> the money bill right. um, was going to be uh, passed on Monday. Uh, there were inclinations of that going to be passed um, two times, but then and then it wasn't. And so each time, if you recall, the next day, the stock market had gone up, and then uh, when it was blocked, then the stock market went down the first time. And then the second time when they had said they finally met, uh, reached a deal, the stock market had gone up today. And so it wasn't so much that Donald Trump said anything. It was because the stock markets were counting on money entering the system again, the economy, and getting things moving, and so they could invest because things would start to move because there was money that was going to be circulating. Um, because you had mentioned that anytime Donald Trump says something uh, as far as to the stock market, they go up. And 
and then you just well, they go up or they go down. Them. Now, yeah. now I mean, there, I have a way of knowing whether or not he's just saying things and it's just reacting. I mean, obviously, when president things or do things, it's going to have an effect on the market. Um, you know, because the president comes in support of a, of a policy. You know, that's whether or not the I mean, he still has to sign it. And at the end of the day, he still has to sign the legislation that, that comes in. Sure, um, sure. But they're banking on more of the fact that Congress is doing something, you know, and that's what they're banking on, these investors. Not so much on what the president says, because he is not the sole person that says, okay, everybody back to work. You know, he says he would like everybody or like people to go back to work, but he's not in charge of that or, or getting the economy moving again. That was That would be Congress. And so if you look at the pattern, of what I just mentioned as far as the the announcement that um, they were going to pass the bill and then they didn't pass the bill. And you look at the stock market as far as what happened with that when they said they were and when they didn't. And so, you know, it's, it's more than just what he says. There's actions that were... Um, that's fair. A big that's a, that's a fair that. point. That's a fair point. I, I, I'll i you that it is more than just him. Um, my concern is just that, you know, with any of these people, like... There was, I think, Congress people or senators on both sides of the aisle that were shown to have made major stock moves uh, yeah. prior to big announcements coming out about yeah. these. So, oh, well, they divested. They divested themselves from from these certain stocks they and then invested in yeah. other stocks that would do well uh, during uh, a downturn during a pandemic. So, you know, yeah. So so we have dirty politicians on both sides and, you know, how for for the longest time, I I wish most of the senators would go simply because I think there are very few senators that were around prior to 2016, 2015, 2014, very new, new senators. I think there were some new senators that were elected in 2016 and beyond, Um, but most of the senators that are there, either uh, said um, that the use of the nuclear option is wrong and the Democrats shouldn't do it, and then they supported it when the Republicans did it. Or they said the use of the, the nuclear option is wrong if the Republicans didn't do it, but they supported it when the Democrats did it. So, in my opinion, all of the senators are useless. <laughs> so yeah, I, I and all. we can thank Harry Reid for implementing that nuclear option. You know, and and, and he, there was warning. He, he, he come with it though. I mean, that's been something that's been bandered about, bandered about for a while. That was talked about during the Bush years. The Democrats had them had was it Bush years when the Democrats didn't have majority, and he was trying to pass, and then the Democrats were were threatening filibusters. I think on at least one or two of Bush's nominees uh, before they got to Roberts. Um, they were threatening. That's, the, the, that that's why you have the, the it, gang of thirteen or the gang of eight or something like that. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the like the gang. When you have kind of well, we tried to tell them. We tried to tell them if you do this, you realize that the next election you may not win. And so if it's you do this, that means it's going to be on the other side of the coin. And they didn't care because they thought they were going to win again. And well, they never so did they a nuclear left. option. They never used the nuclear option on the Republican Party. Um, the Republican Party never used it because the Gang of 13, kind of a single gang at that time, made it so that they, they agreed that they would not filibuster certain justices, just other ones, so that you could get the Supreme Court justice through. 
then all the Confederates mm-hmm. pretty much went away. They lost Mary Andrews. They lost um, other folks. Uh, who John Bro, I think, was still a senator from Louisiana. Um, he was a Democrat. You had other people, both Democrats and Republicans. You had at the time, I want to say, um, Specter, uh, probably one of that, and he's still Republican at the time. Uh, so you had a lot of different people who were kind of in middle ground that were like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make a deal, we're gonna kind of bridge the gap, and now we don't have as many people in the middle anymore. Um, and yeah, the, the Democrats did it, and I said I said to myself, look, you're gonna you shoot yourself in the foot by using the nuclear <laughs> option to pass these lower justices because you lose the Senate. And I said and I said to a lot of Democrats, if they lose the Senate. Then you're gonna you're gonna wind up having a Republican president, and the Republican president is gonna put people you don't want, and they're gonna use the nuclear option. Um, and they're oh that never happened is what was I was told. like you're fooling yourself. You think the thing that Democrats know how to do and screw things up when it comes to their own <laughs> you know best interests. Um, yeah. They've had wordsmiths, and they they and they they can sure screw up a thing that if they believe good. So I had no faith that you know that that they would be able to prevent that from ever happening, and I, I was obviously right. You were obviously right, uh, and she was on a now. The Republicans who all said this is unfair, this is un- this, you shouldn't do this, this is not a proper use of the filibusters for a reason. Then hypocrites themselves, and they became senators and did the thing that they said was wrong in the first place. So mm-hmm. you can't say it's wrong for them not wrong for us. And that's just the definition of hypocrisy. But I do want to get to, I mean, I have extra time slotted onto the show, but I do want to get to the next topic at hand. So we want to thank for your call. Um, appreciate that very much. You're welcome again to call back anytime. Um, I am going to go ahead and hit the first commercial break once I can find the, uh, there we go. Thank that's you. About it. Oh, you're very welcome. And you have a good, uh, stay healthy. Happy, healthy, sin. Um, unfortunately, we're in. Um, Louisiana is like the fastest growing nation when it comes to these, the virus spreading. So, uh, we're uh, all. Yeah. Apparently, New Orleans is very good about sheltering. Stay home, state, people. So. Stay home. Shelter in. <laughs> yeah. Again, we'll be back after the break. Nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. That's nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. It's Liberal Dan Radio. Talk and laugh. Right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. 
On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Yosh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes. Back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. And uh, before we get on to my next topic, um, this is interesting. I'm looking at some some articles from uh, this next topic that I'm going to talk about. There's two diverse ways, but before we talk about the rent is theft, whether or not rent is theft, um, I do want to bring up one important point is that with this virus, with this pandemic, when we talk about the number of people that die from the pandemic, it's, it's not just going to be the amount of people who actually contracted the virus and died because of the sickness that they got from having the virus in them. There's also going to be people who die from this pandemic because uh, they don't have access to the health care that they need because uh, the emergency rooms, the, the hospital beds uh, are being overwhelmed, could be overwhelmed by the people who are sick with the pandemic, people who can't get transplants, people who can't get procedures that are needed to, to save their lives, you know. You know, even if it's not an emergency, it's still going to help them help them with a life-saving procedure. If you get a transplant now, if you can't get a transplant now, maybe it gets worse later, and then it becomes an emergency, and then it becomes worse than what it had to be because you couldn't use the hospital in the first place. The hospital system was overwhelmed by the people who were there with coronavirus, which is why it's so important to stay flat in the curve. It's so important to stay in, go out as little as possible, Friends of mine the other day wanted to go play one of the nerdy games that I play. 
And I instead suggested an online tool that some people had developed where we can play it on the internet and just do it at home instead. We did it. It took a little longer once what, because we had to get used to the tools. But once we got used to the tools, we were able to, to play the same game that we would have played in person. We just did it at home. So I got to play it while in my underwear, which is nice. But not that you need to know that. But anyway, last show, we talked about taxation. Is taxation theft? And I had a presidential candidate on from the Libertarian Party, and he stated his case, and I gave him a lot of time to state his case because I felt it was only fair to do so. He's my guest. Um, therefore, I can allow my guest to have extra time. But at the end of the show, I basically said, look, I disagree with you. There are needed things that need to be done as part of the social contract, uh, how, building roads, building bridges, building Thing. You know, Disney Disney might build the road into Disney. I don't know if he's going to build all of the roads around Disney to come to you. I mean, I drive from New Orleans to Disney World in Orlando. Is Disney going to pay for all that highway just for me from here to there? No. Um, there's there's incentives for there to be government to do certain things. Does government overreach in some areas? Sure. Does government not overreach in certain areas? Sure. Um I think uh, I kind of went through a progression with him. We basically said, look, you have uh, the situation here where, you know, okay, lower level libertarian folks tend to like the smaller level of difference. But if you're, you know, if you get voted into, if, if your area becomes a, a home homeowners association, I mean, you can't be forced to join the homeowners association, but, you know, let's say that homeowners association just grows and grows and becomes a city at which point you could be forced to be living in a city that you chose that you didn't initially move into. That happened. A lot of municipalities around here, there's there's a move sometimes where I live I live in New Orleans, but I'm in a place called Algiers. It's on the other side of the river, other side of the Mississippi River from the rest of Orleans Parish. And there's been moves to turn this into a city. So if they moved this into a city, um then I don't have a choice in that. Then I have to deal with with what that government organization does. Move on to next time. People create other larger governments and so on and so forth. And those because they choose to vote for these things. But at the day, I, I argue that you by living in a certain area, you're basically giving tacit approval for them to tax you for the services that you get living in that area. And you might not agree with all of the things that are spent with that those taxes, but at the end of the day, that's, it's just part of the social compact. And I cannot, you know, I think, I think everyone's better off for having, a, for having educated kids. I think everyone's better off for having a fire department, a police department. I think everybody is better off for um, having an entity that can protect you uh, pr- both proactively and reactively to things to, from when it comes to bad things. So I, I just have to disagree with the whole idea that taxation is theft. But in the discussion of uh, there's a tax strike uh, that's being planned April 1st. And the tax strike uh, is because let, – let me actually read this one post that somebody with – or somebody shared. Um, it's not on my wall, but it was on somebody else's one. I responded to it. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. There we go. Um, this is this is the response to um, the coronaviruses. Please help. This is on r slash real estate investing. Please help. My tenants organized and are saying they won't pay rent this month. All of that can do. 
And uh, the person says, someone, please tell me this is going to be okay. I have no idea what to do. I'm in an apartment building in Houston with 32 units. This is my sole source of income. Tenants have apparently been talking to each other, and this morning they delivered a letter signed by every single unit saying that they will not be paying rent for April and will continue refusing to pay rent until this coronavirus is over and they can go back to work. Um, WTF is supposed to do. I can't possibly evict all of them at once, especially right now. Uh, how am I going to even find new tenants if, even if everyone is nobody, if nobody's at work? Is this illegal? What can I do? Please, someone give me advice. I'm seriously freaking out over here. The person's very close to getting the arguments that are being made by the people who are pushing for the rent strike, uh, which is that your, um, you know, they have, how can they afford to pay rent if everybody is working? And, and the government response needs to be that they're going to have enough money to pay all their bills, including rent, or they just say, look, we're going to suspend everything, debt payments, rent payments, they've suspended student loan payments, at least federally subsidized student loans or federally held student loans. Um, but yeah, suspend mortgages, suspend rent. So let's say this guy has a mortgage on the building needs to get paid. Be, suspend that too then so that you're not operating at a loss. Make sure that everything can get paid for that needs to get paid for, like your utilities and stuff like that. Um, but here is, you know, these people can't be expected to pay rent when they don't have any income and shouldn't be forced out on the street, uh, because it's not their fault. And again, it's not the fault of the, of the less, lessor either, but the lessor should also be protected in that case. When you hear, when you see discussions about, about this rent strike, and you see posts from landlords that are complaining about this rent strike, you, instead of seeing that the landlords say, well, I should also get to not pay my mortgage then because nobody's paying their rent, you should, the people who respond to the landlords will say, well, why don't you find a real job then? And then it's, and they'll start using the hashtag rent is theft. And which got me questioning, is rent theft? As much as I disagree with taxation as theft, do I also disagree that rent is theft? Now, some people on my personal wall brought up um, the idea that – no, look, I have terrible landlords. I have had terrible lands and have had terrible landlords have stolen from me. Uh, one of my landlords uh, withheld a deposit because I claimed that my dog made a mess on the carpet when it was really the leaking that took place because the place was not built well enough and water would come in every time it would rain and it stained the carpet with water. It was a water stain, not a dog stain. He they did not want to give me back my money. Um and I never got my money back. There was another apartment where they did they, they were doing work uh, in my apartment outside of the air hours that they were supposed to allow work to happen in our apartment. Uh, they broke a window and left that open while you know, well, no one was there, so people could come in and steal stuff. No, I don't think anybody did, but still, it could happen. Could have happened. They're irresponsible, and they screwed up the carpet. And I didn't think to take pictures and say, "Look, these guys up the apartment, the pictures, up the your carpet." No, but so when I moved out, the carpet was stained, and they tried to and they couldn't contact me for whatever reason. They didn't call me. Guess what? They put me in collections, assholes. So 
I've had clearly lots of, I had a I had a I had a landlord who refused to deal with the rat problem. I had a landlord who refused to deal with the flea problem in the area where the, where the animals were supposed to be walked. The poor, my poor dog was covered in fleas because of the fact that this one person who used to live in the apartments would come feed animals, feed all the stray cats, and because he was doing that, um, it was attracting raccoons. It was just miserable. I caught the guy doing it, but nobody would do anything about it. So I had to move out of those apartments as well. Landlord think a lot of the times, but does that mean that rent is theft? Not returning my deposit when you're supposed to returning that's theft, absolutely, 100%. A lot of landlords collect Section 8 income. So what looked up Section 8 for the show, I think it covers maybe 80%. Where you have to put like 20% of your income can be paid towards rent. Um, and then if, if you live in an area where rent is higher, um, they might make it so that you have to pay maybe 3% of the income or what have you. Um but then, they, then Section 8 pays the rest. So you have government coming in paying a lot of money. Then you have the individual coming in paying a little bit of money on top of that. Is that theft? So you have one – rentistheft.org is one uh, mission statement of the Rent Abolition Network. The goal of this publication is to demonstrate the insidious robbery perpetuated against the working and real estate arrangements. It's worth noting that these arrangements are but one facet of a monster that conspires, conspires every day to wrap its slimy tentacles around our throats to imprison us and squeeze from us our labor and livelihood. From Wall Street to third world sweatshops, from Brooklyn gentrification to apartheid in the Middle East, the forces of capital seek to conquer the world for the sake of profit. Those who pay rent, those who work to produce and move the goods in our society for menial compensation, we are but pawns in a global neoliberal chess game and those who can no longer afford their rents, whose backs have been broken by years of labor, those who are no longer of you bankers and the parents, are thrown to the website, discarded as readily in the high-end cell phones and fashion accoutrements that are no longer in. That's us, the pawns, the mules, the collateral damage. However, if we publishers honestly believe that our fates were sealed, then there was no change in this arrangement. We wouldn't have bothered with this publication. It's true that each of us is a caged animal, but we are not caged kittens, impotent to our effect of our incarceration. No, we are tigers. We can thrash and tear. We should anger inspire enough. Should our anger inspire enough, we can strike fear. Should our hearts be emboldened enough, the chains that bind us are thick but not impenetrable. I hope the hope of this publication is that it acts as a call to action. Um, there be those that extol the virtues of piecemeal victories, slow reforms, work within a system. We hope the articles in these pages will make it clear that cannot be changed from inside. Uh, taking rent guidelines board down to 1% rent increases victory for the landlords. A rent, freeze, a rent freeze is a stalemate. If rent is truly theft, as we have sought to demonstrate in these pages, then agreeing to pay any amount for rent is consenting to robbery of ourselves over our families or neighborhoods in our class. We instead call for a permanent rent strike. We demand a world in which land, housing, and industry are communalized. There are those that will say that our demands are unrealistic, but to be realistic in the world, to accept a caste system in which our very humanity as a commodity to be bought and sold, to reject our place in society, to demand the impossible, we which countless revolutionaries have done before us in capitalist society. There are many prisons, and being realistic is one of them demands the impossible. Now, interesting. But I, I, I made a very similar comment about the whole taxation is theft. I, I said, look, you know, you know, we 
the guy was saying, well, we should move back to previous systems. And like, well, previous systems, you wound up having a caste system where you had a lord of a certain area. And in that lord, you had, you know, you had fiefdoms and, you know, little fiefs would be controlled by people. And, and you had to pay to your lord a certain amount to control your little fiefdom. So, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's what happened then. And, and so is, but is that theft? Is, is that taxation? Is that theft? Is, is anything that they, what they've basically described here is that everything can be communalized. I disagree on some levels. I do think that people have a right to housing. Um, I do think that maybe there should be a minimum amount of uh, living that one should be able to have regardless of what your income is. And maybe that could be subsidized uh, by government and, and have that right subsidized. Again, would they call that theft if it was all subsidized by the government? I don't know. Um, I haven't seen that much there at first. There, I've read at least one of them, and none of them made the argument to me that it is theft. Uh, they've, they've, they've showed highlighted problems within the system, and I agree with them that there are problems within the system. Um, not seeing or agreeing that it's theft. Um, somebody on my wall made an argument that when you come in and you have a developers take up a whole bunch, all the land and monopolize it and then turn it into rental properties and charge exorbitant rent for those rental properties and, and force the people out. And so the people who remain living there have to pay higher property taxes and higher rents because you now have a higher worth. The land is worth more. Um, that's that's hard to deal with, I'm sure, as an individual, um, as, as a community. You're trying to deal, you're trying to live, and you, now your property values are going up. So, so either you have to move further away from where you're working, and then that means that you can't, you have to, you can't afford much because you now have to more money to travel to get to your job because you now live further away from your job. Um, theft. It's, it's hard for me to say that is that 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 is theft. We have a situation where um, they talk about this other article is talking about the Plaza de Blasio and Clinton, um, and there's a lot of revolutionary talk in these articles. But I'm not necessarily seeing facts that they're being stolen from, that they're being thieved from, that, that the renters, that the mortgagers, that the lessors are thieves. Now, on the other side, there's a thinkliberty.com, which I'm sure is a conservative site, or at least a libertarian site. Um, although, uh, there, go. there has been much debate and controversy in libertarian circles over the concept of private property and the ideas of rent and landlordism, in particular being front center. While modern day American libertarianism has generally considered the right to do what one wishes with rightfully acquired private property is sacrosanct, some within the libertarian movement have been promoting the idea that rent is theft. So here, here's an interesting situation that you now have people on the right agreeing with people on the left that rent is theft. And so this person is going to offer a quick explanation. While most of the movement believe that property is just acquired through their homes, either through homesteading, 
uh, mixings when labor with the land or purchasing from the owner. Once the staff crowd believes in occupancy and use standards for determining property ownership. This applies as long as someone is living in a house or apartment, they are the owner of the property. Thus, because they view someone who is renting out their property, someone else is having a claim to it, they believe that the landlord is committing an act of thievery. Um, on the contrary, this person says on the, uh, is the tenant is the tenant refused to pay rent or refuses to move out, he violates the rental contract and stealing. Um, a landlord who rightfully owns the house in the apartment is renting the house and made it best with the property, blah, blah, blah. You could probably see where that goes from this point is that he's going to be making the argument, well, I'm on in there for, but did you really have to pay for it? Did you use government to get it? Um, did you use did you have you, you know, did you pay a fair way fair fair market for it? Are you charging exorbitant amounts of rent for it? Um, those who disagree with me, let's see, uh, further on, make the argument that eviction is force and thus antithetical to libertarianism because of the non-aggression uh, principle in AP that they talk about. Um, moving someone from living expense is potentially exposed to the. Uh, however, it's not all force that libertarian is, but aggression. If somebody is aggressing upon another person's property or property, uh, that is legitimate under libertarian theory for the victim of somebody act on behalf to use forcing the aggressor to prevent them to continue and restore whatever the damage. Fair enough, but still, you know, they're not necessarily addressing the, the general idea of whether or not rent is theft. I think that in the 12 minutes I have left, I... Uh, may not be able to um let's see here's a core article uh, why do most anarchists consider rent to be theft let's see if we get in let's see boom, 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 boom. six answers thanks to the atua um first it's important to understand the concept of rent go back to adam smith probably about extracting payment without adding value or productivity to the process as to why this is so detasteful to anarchists and left libertarians, uh, the number of rationale in play, any of which may be considered independently of each other. Um, one, because property ownership is in itself a deprivation of liberty to everyone in society, because gaining possession of property along with its valuation are often arbitrary and capricious. Uh, the consequent production of wealth that is property, without any labor or creativity being added to the mix, pretty much undermines every non-capitalist conception of value. It's a bit like some peeing on a tree, then claiming that the tree is property, then giving rights to the tree's shade to their child, and the child is demanding rent for anyone who stops under the tree. Um, ludicrous, but it tends to concentrate wealth over time, again, quite arbitrarily, and deprive more society over time. Two, wealth generation with effort or added value it has been considered a distasteful enterprise throughout much of history, making it profit for profit sake off of People often believe to be all gauche, if not gauche, and immoral. Here's what some of what Aristotle said about in politics. Act. There are two sorts of wealth getting, as I have said. One is part of the household management, the other is retail trade. The former necessary and honorable, while that is consistent, exchange is just censured, for it is a natural mode for rich men to gain from one another. The most head sort, the greatest reason is usury, blah, 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 because riches generally end up a lording it over other people. Exploiting them, be having a reasonable education for this power of others, uh, aside from their non-value-add enterprises, concentrating wealth. As the anarchists and left-leaning want everyone to become owner suppression, and there is really not much different separation between natural monopolies, authoritarian states, slavery, 
feudalism, capitalism, and de facto elitism and the destructivists of rent, rentiers really all painted with the same exploitive opportunistic, opportunistic brush with various style and color. Um, interesting. Let's see. Let's see. There, this is true as well in Eastern culture, so much so that four occupations plus system of ancient China, although it was an integrated part of law, merchants were at the bottom of the social hierarchy as they did not produce anything. I'm going to Wikipedia for a second uh, to take a fresh load, but I can find another one. When rent becomes theft, let's see, because this is an interesting look at it because it's not necessarily off the top saying it is theft, but it's saying it can become theft, which is an interesting point. But it starts off by saying rent is theft. Chances are you're popping up 50% more of your income handing it over to your landlord, whom you don't even live in your city, yet owns a ridiculous property, protecting you, a work productive member of your community, owning a home and investing in yourself, your family, your future. This reality, one that someone would call economic freedom, is what I would call theft. Uh, problem of affordable housing not only affects low-income families, but middle-class families as well. Let's say you're looking to invest in a barely modest, mid-sized townhouse in Brooklyn. Uh, it still wouldn't make sense to do so, not for a minimum of 500000 It doesn't. And so you rent, not by choice. No one is choosing to be a slave or a landlord, yet the only other option for us non, non, our modest non-millionaires is to then be a slave to our bank, assuming you make the ridiculous choice of buying a house. So why is it theft? Here we go. Why is it theft? Because you have taken all the property from me by selfishly taking all the homes. You are forcing me against my will to give you money in order to fulfill the most basic human right, which is shelter and safety from the elements. I wouldn't hesitate to call landlords leeches nor a parasite, not when they're literally sucking up all of the resources and offering nothing worth. So here's the first argument that I've seen that is at least somewhat agreeable with. That if, that if, if you buy all of the property in an area, then and, and then say it, so all of these renters buy up all the area, so you have no opportunities to buy a, you know, a place for yourself and live for yourself, then they're stealing opportunity from you. So they're not necessarily stealing your money. You're, they're stealing your opportunity, the ability of you to be able to live in your own neighborhood. Um your landlords are a fit because they're trying to exploit you. It's not working. Then you'll be homeless. Thankfully, they'll still be rich. Unfortunately for you, obviously, you'll still be poor. You'll sit at a shelter uh, and take for 10 hours of the same thing they did to you, but somebody else. Landlords steal from not only the tenant, but each and every hardworking taxpayer. Listen, they steal from you and the same that Walmart owners all the same steal from you. They perpetuate and participate in a capitalistic system. It requires to supplement their greed because the Waltons do not offer their millions of employees a parallel wage. You must, with your taxes, supplement the or welfare system. And no, I, this is another point. Um, you know, I've much made the argument that wage is a giveaway to Walmart, to workers, because Walmart then doesn't have to pay a living wage, because Walmart gets to it from the fact that they get to pay their workers a low wage. Meanwhile, a lot of their employees, since now working poor, qualify for benefits, including food stamps and other monies that are being spent where? At Walmart. So Walmart gets to make that. Um, so basically, the because the landlord doesn't know it's affordable housing, you must supplement the tenant's house housing. Quite literally, 
give them housing because there is no housing. This is how rent becomes theft, how property, how, how property is theft, and in many ways, economic, if you want to call it, is theft. This is probably the best explanation uh, that I've seen for why uh, the, the rent is theft crowd, and I think should give people a lot more informed of the idea of why rent is theft. And perhaps you will be too, uh, to understand it. Basically, what we're saying here is that people, if I did bring up, is rent theft if you're, if it's a Section 8 house, and if, if you're, if you take Section 8 as a landlord, well, yeah, it's stealing from the system. The system is subsidizing it because you're not paying the rent somebody forward. So, if, if, if the government has subsidized the rent that you're charging for your property, that means that your rent is too expensive. They have a system where we do not. But it, it's all kind of combined, though. So it's still necessarily that rent is theft, but it's that we live in a system, capital, this is capitalism that we've decided to live in and decided to support uh, forever, is one that keeps people impoverished it it allows the wealthy businesses to collect money by, by allowing them to pay a substandard non-living wage if if we had laws that required the payment of living wages and abolished exorbitant rent then maybe rent would be theft or allowed people to um have their own property without having to worry about these landlords coming in and, and 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 making rental problem. maybe maybe rental homes should be made out of something else that's not re- that's not residential maybe residential property should be you know should be just and maybe just maybe houses should be you know at least in there should be houses that are available to everybody including uh, the people who are working the low level those low level positions should be paid a certain amount of money anyway. That's getting to the end of the show. Let's go ahead and end it right there. Um, we can continue the conversation with if rent is theft later. I'm, I'm more convinced over rent being theft than taxation being theft because of this last article right here from Medium. Jocelyn Figueroa is the author of that story, and kudos for that author for making a well-reasoned argument as to and making me at least lean a little bit more towards the idea that perhaps the rent system that we have does steal both from individuals and from the uh, you and me as taxpayers who pay and support the government and a system that uh, subsidizes their greed by allowing them to charge higher rent than what the market would normally allow if we were to not have them in the first place. And this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. And you can tune in next Wednesday. We'll still be probably quarantined. Hopefully this president isn't an idiot anymore or much further of an idiot. Uh, again, you can follow me on liberaldan.com, uh, facebook.com slash liberaldan, and at liberaldan radio on Twitter. You can also listen to my old mini casts on the Anchor Podcast Network, and I should be making one more soon. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, and that's right.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.